0: You know, as, as I said, the, the back-to-school blessing weekend is, is a great opportunity to recalibrate and, and to kind of reprioritize as things kind of start to pick up, particularly for families, but for all of us going into the fall, thinking about wrapping up this this year even. And it's imperative, I think, for us to kind of remember that this is an opportunity. I know, how many of y'all get a little bit sad When summer's over, I do. When when summer's over, there's a part of me that's like, dude, I love summer. I do. I love me some summer. Um, But I think we have a massive, massive opportunity in the time that we've got left with what God wants to pour into our lives personally, individually, but also into the life of this church collectively. God has something really, really special, I think, in store for all of us today. You know, as you think about, I remember, you know, our kids are, we're empty nesters right now. Joseph is back in college at Clemson. Uh, He's got about a couple more years. Emily has graduated college and has moved out. We don't even know where she lives right now. It's really great. And um, I'm teasing, of course. Um, But I do remember vividly when when our kids were very, very little, and they would would get off of the school bus and, and come in the door and... Usually I was at work or something, Julie was there to greet them, but I remember hearing the stories, or if I happened to be there, it was always a fascinating moment into the, in a window into their lives to kind of see how they processed the day. Now, Emily, we never had to wonder. Emily came in the door sharing how her day went, and sharing, and sharing, and sharing, and sharing her day processing of the day which was great and we, and we loved it and it was never a dull moment her younger brother Joe on the other hand took a little bit more coaxing to get him to share kinda of what had happened much less how he felt about what had happened in the day and we noticed a pattern early on with Joe when he would walk in if you said Joe how was your day almost without exception he would say great it was just every day was a good day for Joseph pretty much And so we realized, unless we asked a follow-up question, that was all we were going to get. Great. So then we started asking the question, okay, Joe, well, what was so great about your day? And I'll never forget when he was like in kindergarten, maybe first grade, the first time I asked him, I'd go, Joe, what was so great about your day? He was stumped beyond all forward progress. And he goes, nothing bad happened. And we were like, awesome. As long as nothing bad happened, Joe had a great day.
1: And very and little actually has changed. We still <laughs> hear about Emily's day. We love it. And um, we get about the same amount out of Joseph. Yeah. And um, it is so funny, though, as moms and dads, how we so desperately want our kids to have a great day. That is what yeah. I want. Even now, our kids are about to be, brace yourself, 23 and 21. I know. Oh, my word. Obviously, I had them when I was... 12. Um <laughs> so <laughs> They, we want them still to have a great day. I want Mac to have a great day. Thanks. Here, no, I don't know if I've ever mentioned that. But uh, we do. I want you to have a great day. And here's the good news. Jesus wants that for you too. He says in John 10:10, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly, a rich life, an overflowing life, a life beyond anything we could imagine and if that's God's design and desire then we have the responsibility to look and say okay if God's design and desire is for me to live a full life a life full of joy a great day it's really to be honest there are not every day will be a great day But he does desire a great life. So sometimes we have to sacrifice the great day or even the great week so that we get to that great life. But we know that is Jesus' desire for us, God's desire for us. So then it's our opportunity, our responsibility to look and say, Okay, if God wants me to live a full life, to live a joyful life, to have a great life, then how do I get there? And we today will look at this. And it's not just for kids. It definitely includes kids. It definitely includes teenagers. But this is the beauty of Scripture. God's Word is for every single one of us, no matter your age or life stage. And so as we seek together how to live that great life, we're going to go to His Word and go to Psalm 112, verse 1. I love it when God answers the question that I'm asking. And when we ask, how do I get there? How do I live that joyful life? Praise the Lord, it says. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. So God shows us two things here. How, are the, how do you find that joy, that joyful life? It says right here, those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. Fearing the Lord does not mean being afraid of him. It means submitting your life, your will, your ways to his word. And he says other places in scripture too that if you choose to submit your life to his laws to submit your ways to his word then your life will work better and here as a matter of fact it says you will have a joyful life so there are two things that we have to do there's an assumption here that you obey his commands number one you have to know them It requires knowledge of his commands. And then number two, you have to choose to obey. So you have to have knowledge and you have to have self-control. This is the beauty of the local church. When I was a new mom, I thought, okay, these children, they're my responsibility. I did not cry when my children were born. I cried when my mother left. <laughs> when I realized, oh, wait, you mean this is all on me? And so, and you. Thank I you. did include I was going you. I to say you had yeah, some help. Yeah, I mean on us. Yeah. <laughs> And, and But I remember thinking, wow, I mean, not only do I have to keep them physically healthy, but now I've also got to teach them God's ways. And I was very overwhelmed by that. I'm not really a reader. And so when I look at Scripture, like the words are so tiny, and there's like a lot of super <laughs> thin pages. It's very overwhelming <laughs> to someone like me. But I knew, you know what? I'm going to keep them in church. I'm going to keep them in church because what I don't know, I know they Mm -hmm. will learn there. And we have an opportunity here as the local church to partner with parents to raise a generation of leaders and not followers. And we take that responsibility seriously and we have fun while we're doing it. And that's why every Sunday, parents, we have LHC kids birth through fifth grade and we teach God's laws. We empower them with the knowledge. We challenge them to use self-control. We want to help you do that together at the same time Mac teaches in here and we give you the knowledge and the challenge to use self-control and then on Wednesday nights I'll tell you what. Every TV show movie will talk about teenagers. Those of you with little ones, you've probably been told, enjoy it now because soon there will be teenagers. I'll tell you what, at Lake Hills Church, we love our teenagers. We love our teenagers. We do. We believe in our teenagers. We've actually seen the opposite of what all of the TV shows. We and could
0: not do. We could not do what God's called us to do as a church without our students. Our students are not a ministry of the church. Our students are an, are an integral part of the church.
1: Yeah, we love it. it what we say in LHC Kids is. We have so many students. We are student-heavy in that ministry, and that's on purpose.
0: Who help lead.
1: Who Oh, they lead. They It is legitimately a student-run children's ministry. But we say, I can plan the greatest lesson, Pastor Jeffrey, but we'll never be cool to a fifth-grade boy. <laughs> and, and so we are dependent on these students. And so on Wednesday nights, we really work to equip students with knowledge and challenge them to self-control with CRASH every Wednesday night. But parents, it's our responsibility. To get our kids here, to get our students here. Be a part of the local church. We want to help
0: you. And here's the thing Julie and I can pr- I promise you, at some point along the way, your kids will push back. Our kids push back. Our, our kids were like, yeah, years and years ago, I remember when they were like, I don't know if I want to go to Crash, you know, we'll go sometime. Like, but that is so cute that you think that. <laughs> it had nothing to do with the fact that I'm the pastor, Julie was the pastor. It was about the fact that as followers of Christ, we are the church. This is what our family does. And so you'll be at LAC Kids. You'll be at Crash. Love you mean it. Because as a parent, I'm going to parent. And some people will say, and I understand where this comes from. People say, well, I don't want to force it on them. I get it and I understand that. Be a smart, loving parent. Explain to them the why behind it. That's why LHC Kids is so crucial for your kids to be engaged there so that they're with kids their age and they're developing the muscle memory in first grade, second grade, fourth grade, and fifth grade of what it feels like to be the church. Sometimes they'll say, Well, we want to go to the grown up service with you. That's so cute. LHC Kids. LHC Kids is where they learn how to be the church because when they get to middle school, when they get to high school, those relationships that they have with their peers are going to largely determine the choices that they make, good, bad, and ugly. So make sure that as a parent, we're putting them in a position to win And they're developing those relationships, that accountability, coming alongside friends who believe the same, who want to help them live the life God's created them to live, beginning in elementary school, middle school, high school. It all works together. And and as we've said so many times, our calling as a church is to partner with you parents to raise that generation of leaders. And not followers. But I want you to notice the verse that Julie just read. In Psalm 112 verse 1 talks about the joy, the delighting in following God's commands. Look at how God follows that up in the very next verse. Psalm 112 verse 2. The Bible says their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. In the original Hebrew, the writer of the Psalms dropped the mic after that verse. Just went bye-bye. That is an incredible, incredible promise from God. If, everybody say if. If. If we will do our job, then we are setting our kids up for a win when they walk out of our house and they are buying their own food and living the lives God's created them to live.
1: Just recently, we took um, third, fourth, and fifth graders to Jolt Camp. And we had an amazing time. And again, we took a group of teenagers to lead all of those children with us. And one of our teenagers, um, he's been uh, serving in church for a long time. I did ask permission to use his name. His name is Jackson Alley. And he is awesome. And he works with our third, fourth, and fifth graders every week. And so the second night at camp, I noticed that Jackson wasn't feeling great. He was trying to lead worship, and he was sweating, and the other counselors were like, what's going on with Jackson? Jackson doesn't feel good. He feels so sick. So I said, Jackson, buddy, what's wrong? And he said, oh, I'm so sick. I drank a lot of chocolate milk, and I'm allergic to it. (laughs) Now, keep in mind, Jackson's a smart kid. He does well in academics. He's very active at school. He's been serving. I said, I'm sorry, what? And he said, I couldn't help it. I said, whoa, 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 Jackson. I am sorry that you don't feel good, but I don't feel bad for you. I said, because number one, you had the knowledge. You knew going in, if I drink this, I will get sick. But he didn't care. He drank it anyway. So he had the knowledge, but he used no self-control. And so he suffered the consequences. And so they were saying, I think Jackson needs to go back and rest. I said, no, he doesn't. He needs to make better decisions. And so uh, I said, get on up on that stage, buddy. You are just fine. And the thing about Jackson is he is awesome. Jackson is a great kid who uses self-control in almost every other area of his life. A great student. He's a wrestler. He's in great physical shape. He makes great choices, has great friends. But there's a weakness there with chocolate milk, apparently. But do you of see, all the things
0: you would worry about as a parent... Wouldn't you love for chocolate milk wouldn't to be that, at the top of the list? Wouldn't you love for that to
1: be your concern? Yeah, I love Jackson so much. But um, So <laughs> what we remember, though, what it made me think of is how often we have the knowledge, but we don't make the good choice. We have the information, but we do not choose wisely. And oftentimes, because of that, we suffer the natural consequences. What is self-control, really? Self-control is just about stopping thinking and choosing well so everyone say stop stop I'm sorry I meant and do the hand motion everybody say stop stop is anybody else wanting to do this because <laughs> I, I am I'm sorry I distracted myself okay everybody say stop stop think. think think choose choose okay stop think choose let's do it one more time ready one two three stop
0: think three. choose
1: now do it without any words ready one two three somebody didn't have some self-control right there Uh, so stop think and choose that's what self-control is now I want you to go back to what we talked about in the very beginning a joyful life is the result of an obedient life we choose to obey and therefore we have the joy the peace, the um, hope that's what we're aiming for so kids, adults, everyone if my goal is that joyful life or a great day what's a great way to have a great day? stop think, choose. Let's say it. What's a great way to stop, have a great day?
0: Stop, think, choose.
1: Okay, so moms and dads, when you drop your kids off, as you're head, your kids are heading to the bus stop, ask them, what's the great way to have a great day? Stop, think, And kids, the honest truth is sometimes you may need to ask your mom or dad, what's a great way to have a great day? <laughs> and then your mom or dad, oh, that's right. Stop, think, Choose. That's the self-control that God promises that He will give us. We do need it. There's so many, it's not just scriptural, there are sociological and psychological studies that have been done over the last decades about the relationship. Yes, scripture makes the relationship between obedience and joy, but sociology and psychology makes a relationship between self control and future success. So if we want our kids to live successful, independent, um, to feel competent as adults, if we want them to live those lives, there are relationships to financial success, relational success, physical health, financial health, all of it. Self-control is the answer. It goes all the way back to the marshmallow test. Some of you may be familiar with it. It was a professor. He was at um, Stanford. He's now at Columbia. And they put preschoolers um, in a room, one preschooler with one marshmallow. And they said, you can eat this marshmallow now, but if you wait until I come back, I'll give you two marshmallows. And so they were watching the child. So then they would leave the room. They would leave them there with the one marshmallow to see which children had self-control, who could understand short-term pain, long-term gain. And so some of the kids... They stared at it, they turned their backs to it. One child like mushed it up. It was hilarious. But did not eat it. One child ate the marshmallow before the professor left the room.
0: That's my boy. Uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. But they made it. so they followed these kids for a long time. There are similar studies that have been done in New Zealand and in London. They evaluated child's you know self-control and then they follow and inevitably they find the direct correlation between self-control and future success
0: but everybody say but but at the same time the marshmallow test was being conducted and they followed these kids across years and years of their lives there was another movement afoot at the same time late 60s early 70s that actually overtook the movement for self-control, and it was the movement of self-esteem. Self-esteem in the late 60s and the late 70s became the buzzword, and it became very, very vogue for college professors and administrators, teachers and educators, moms and dads, to begin doing everything that they could to make children and students feel good about themselves. This is from Psychology Today in 2011. It started with the best intentions. In 1969, Nathaniel Brandon wrote a paper entitled, quote, The Psychology of Self-Esteem, close quote, that suggested that feelings of self-esteem were the key to success in life. Now, the parents who embraced these efforts did so out of love and with the most noble of intentions. The only problem is that these efforts simply do not work self-esteem is not something conferred it's not something we can give our children it is earned through taking risks and developing skills when children stretch themselves they expand their sense of their own capability and then feel confident to tackle the next challenge confidence comes from competence we do not bestow it as a gift as a footnote to this article in psychology today I would suggest to you that if you ever find yourself in any kind of a league or organization where everybody gets a ribbon you should run for the nearest exit it is a joke
1: we do support community athletics we do we do we do, you do too. You I
0: do. support community athletics. I don't support everybody gets a ribbon. That's not real life. Not now,
1: only that. Now everybody everybody is, everybody is
0: valuable. Everybody is valuable. Everybody is valuable. But not everybody performs well. I don't know if you've heard that. So, as, long as but here's the thing we do our kids such a disservice when we tell them that everything they do is rainbows and unicorns. What we need to tell our children is this, I love you too much to lie to you. You didn't do a good job. I'm going to feed you tonight, and you can spend the night here, but you didn't do a good job. You didn't win.
1: One of the primary ways, uh, the studies that we, um, the studies that I've I, I'm sorry, looked just a second. At- I,
0: this, I'm, I'm so passionate, this is an act of love. It is not loving to tell our kids that they're always great. Because they're not. I'm not. I mean, I'm okay. But I'm not great all the time. Tell your kids, you blew it. You, You were horrible at that party. We still love you, but that was unacceptable. I'm, this is an act of love. You're not doing him any favors. Sorry to interrupt, hon. I
1: mean, you were like grabbing my shoulder there. That was—he he feels that deeply. I was trying to wondering. stay seated.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> the great news about all of the studies and all of the trends is that you can teach self-control. Self-control—you can is, also learn it. Yeah. Self, <laughs> that was my next sentence. Oh, sorry. Self control hey, speaking of <laughs> self-control touche. Sorry, touche. You set me up for that one. I did. Um, self-control You're can be taught. Self-control can't be learned. <laughs> Some of us are still working. And but it can even be learned as an adult. We know the relationship between self-control and joy, between self-control and success. That is a fact. All of the studies agree that they're still continuing to do studies about how exactly we teach that. When you give a every child a ribbon, when you remove competition, when you remove risk from the playground, what we've done actually is we, re- we have removed the opportunity for our children to learn cause and effect. And cause and effect is linked to self-control. If I do this, then this will happen. If I don't do this, then this won't happen. We must give our kids opportunities to learn self-control by giving them opportunities to understand the connection between cause and effect. Hey kids, everybody do stop, think, choose. One, two, three, go. Your homework is your responsibility okay? Your homework is your responsibility. Your lunch is your responsibility. Your room, stop, think, and choose. Make good decisions. Um, If you're in kindergarten and you just started, don't panic. Your mom's going to help you. But stop, (laughs) think, and choose. They can do it. We can do it. We have an opportunity. Here's the deal. In Galatians 5.22, Jesus is Able to give us self-control through the Holy Spirit. Paul is speaking and he says, But the fruit of the Spirit, this is the overflow of the life of someone who lives in relationship with Jesus. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and... Self-control. So if I live in relationship with Jesus, perhaps self-control is a shortcoming. I know that if I put my mind to it and I work hard, I have the knowledge, now I implement the self-control to obey God's word. If you obey God's word, your life will work better. Remember what we said about what's a great way to have a great day? Stop, think, choose. Sometimes, sometimes obeying means you don't have a great day Mm. it means that maybe you're the only one on the playground who speaks up for the kid who's being bullied and that's not always easy it's not always a great day sometimes you're um, the nice girl at the cafeteria table who invites someone to sit with you and the other girls get mad you've chosen the right thing but maybe it's not a great day sometimes you're in high school and you're tired of being the nice guy in the locker room but you're choosing to do the right thing no matter what sometimes you're the only mom at Bunko who speaks up for the girl who's not there let's not act like it's only at the middle school cafeteria table and sometimes you're the only guy in the office who chooses to do the right thing sometimes you sacrifice the great day for the great life the joyful life is a result of obedience and if you step into a relationship with christ he will give you self-control you have the knowledge but you got to choose to obey
0: you know, it's amazing. It's amazing to me when you, when you train yourself and you start to look for ways that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, infiltrates and penetrates every crack and crevice of a life. You see where it makes every crack and crevice, every corner of every life better, stronger, healthier, more beautiful more attractive rarely does it make it easier but it always makes it better and as we think about this idea of of having of making the choices to have self-control that lead to a great day that lead to a great life it all comes back to jesus every road leads to the cross part of our responsibility as followers of jesus is to train ourselves to learn how to see that how to find jesus in every situation how to figure out how to bring the gospel to bear and to make a difference When we're planning our family calendars or schedules, when we're thinking about what we're going to be doing on Sunday mornings through this fall when everything else is crazy and there's Friday night lights and there's Saturday morning, Pop Warner, all those things, but we're going to worship together. We're we're going to make this a priority because God has given us this gift of connecting into the family of faith anchored in a personal relationship with Jesus so that all roads whether it's to school, whether it's to the sports field or the band practice hall, or to the office or the bunco table, all roads lead to Christ. And when you think about the fruit of the Spirit and all of those things being rooted and anchored in self-control, it's important for us to remember how you get there, how, how that happens and becomes a reality Unfortunately, fortunately, we don't have to figure that out on our own. We, we don't have to make it up as we go along. Look at the very next verse in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5, 24 says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus, those who follow Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It means that every inclination, every Everything in my being that wants to drive me away from self-control, everything that wants to satisfy that instant satisfaction and gratification urge that we all deal with, all of that has been nailed to the cross with Christ. And as such, it died with Christ such that when Jesus rose from the dead, and make no mistake about it, he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead with the offer of a new life and a new power that we could never fabricate on our own to exercise that self-control, to come to know him more personally and more intimately. And so a lot of people in this room know that dynamic and you're living in it. None of us is living in it perfectly. We all make mistakes as parents, as pastors every day, whatever you do, wherever you go. But some of us know what that's like and what it's like to walk through this life in a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But if you're here today and you've never stepped into that relationship in just a moment as a church family, we want to just give you the opportunity to do that. It's literally an invitation from God, an invitation to personally respond to God's grace and begin a relationship with him. You don't have to pass a test. You don't have to show up, you know, 50 out of 52 Sundays a year or anything like that. You just have to have a willing heart and pray a prayer of commitment. And it is a commitment. It is a complete surrender. As Julie said, you submit your life to the one who loves you unconditionally and perfectly as is and too much to leave you as is. And the only one who will never take advantage of your surrender, who will never take advantage of your submitting your life to Him, and you give your life and you begin to walk in a relationship with Him. I want to ask everybody, if you will, just bow your heads for just a brief moment. If you've already taken that step, you've already prayed a prayer like that, I'm going to invite you just to be praying with everything that you've got for the people around you. But if you have never done that, Why not right now? You know, we we said that back to school blessing is is an opportunity for a reset button. This is the ultimate reset on a life. To just begin to walk in a relationship, to follow Jesus. If you'd like to do that, then we as a church want to invite you just to pray that prayer. A prayer of beginning and a prayer of commitment. Just right where you're sitting, just talk to God silently. And say something like this. Just say, Jesus, I need you. And I accept your invitation to the life that is truly life, that life abundant. Jesus, I confess my sin. All of it. You know it all anyway, but I'm holding nothing back. And I will claim your forgiveness right here, right now to follow you from this moment forward Jesus thank you thank you for this opportunity thank you for loving me and offering to be my lord and my savior from this moment forward I want to ask you just to remain in a spirit of prayer for a moment because this is a sacred moment. And if that was your prayer and you meant it for the first time in your life, I want you to know this is the greatest moment of your life. This is the moment that every single day of your life going forward pivots on And so, it's a big deal. If you just prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to do a couple of things. First of all, I want you to understand that you're you're in the perfect place for this moment, for this prayer, because you're surrounded by people who want to help. Highly, highly imperfect people. But we want to help. And so, I want to invite you, before you leave today, take your program. And open up to that connect card that Tiffany mentioned earlier in our service. And fill it out. Fill it out and you'll notice about a third of the way down is is an opportunity to indicate I committed my life to Christ this week. Just indicate that and tear the connect card off. It's perforated there along the fold. And before you leave, as you walk out the door is to your right, I want to ask you just to hand that to one of the folks who are underneath that little blue awning, like you see at the ball fields, just says lhc.org around it, just hand that to one of them so that we can help. That begins the process at whatever pace works for you. But then number two, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, if that was your prayer today, I want to I want to ask you to do something for you and for the family of faith. Would you just raise your hand? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed for just another moment. But Raise your hand up high over your head and hold it there for a moment. And as you do that, you stamp this moment in your life. You're you're saying, this is real. God did it and I responded. But you also stamp it in the life of this church because... There is nothing more important to us as a church than this moment in your life and others like it. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to faith, all of heaven celebrates. And so as a church, we kind of feel like it's our responsibility, it's our privilege to emulate and imitate heaven so we join with heaven we celebrate that we honor that as you put your hands down we like to put our hands together just to tell you welcome home welcome home